Welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, it's been a while since we potted. We, we, we keep doing these like every other type things, but it's that time of year, right? You know, we're coming back. I'm coming back to school, and we've kind of hit the, you know, uh, the part of the season where, you know, we got teams beginning their tank and other teams resting players, and it's just a, it's just a little bit meh. Just a little bit mad, right? We got the weather turning, so there's golf available to be played more frequently. Um, Elkin and I coordinated a moving day as today, so there's a lot going on out here in the uh, in the Hero Ball Pod scape. There is, there is, and in these times is usually when we decide, you know what? Let's go ahead and bust out some state of the franchise, and and that's that's what we're here to do today, Ethan. Ethan. Ahead of us, we have a monumental task. We usually do one team, maybe two teams for a state of the franchise. Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna lock in, Ethan, for five teams. Five teams for this uh, for the state of the franchise. Yeah, well, I mean, thankfully that they're not very good teams. So the players that are decent on these teams, you know a little bit about already. So we'll we'll cover them. But you know, there's a lot. Of- lot to not that you don't want on these teams to say put it nicely and uh you know might not take all that much time we'll see how it goes this might be a two hour long podcast if we're not careful it, it could be i mean while these are bad teams while they are teams that tankathon uh loves you're up there and in, in you're your, you're doing the simulations and the spins by the way i did that the other day it was did not turn out very good for the pistons so we gotta work on our tank job um as, as well as the other teams in here, working on their tank job as well. Some some teams have not won a game in their last in their last time. In fact, there are three teams with that we're going to talk about today that have won a combined two games in each of their last time. It's it's not good. This is the time of type of losing that can only happen at this time of year. And we're going to start off with the team that has the worst record in the NBA, and that that is the Houston Rockets. Um, they are currently 15 and 46. And and you know what? That's just the way that Tomer Fertitta likes it. Don't worry, we're going to get a few shots at him uh, today. So, Ethan, uh, core players for this Houston Rockets team. While they, are, while they are bad, they do have some people that, whether they like it or not, are part of the core going forward. Who are they? Well, I'm going to go number one is Christian Wood, the guy who, if let's say James Harden played his entire season with the Houston Rockets, probably would have been pushing for an all-star nod. His his stats to start the year were very impressive. A lot of good stuff going for him. Very fun to watch player offensively. Defense obviously needs some work. I'm going to go with these two first. Kevin Porter Jr., the acquired from the Cleveland Cavaliers, the young um, athletic one-two combo guard. Um you know, I like his shot a lot, um, even for aesthetic reasons. It hasn't gone in for the best part yet, but he's a fun player. Um, obviously, he's had some off the court or in the locker room issues that led to his dismissal um, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then Jay Sean Tate, an old rookie, but he's played really well um, for his his bit. Um, he's, you know, another lefty, so we know I love that. And he's a, a burly, you know, Draymond Green-looking figure on the court. And he's he's performed very well in his rookie stint. And then the two guys who are mentioned basically what for their contracts are Eric Gordon and John Wall. Um, both, you know, I would say respectful vets that probably are just getting paid a little bit too much for what they contribute now. And so um, while I think, you know, this team shouldn't be a, opposed to having them on the team, for the extent of their contracts, um, their contracts definitely are a hindrance to the team's flexibility going forward. Love what you said about Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., Jason Tate. I mean, Jason Tate's been on my fantasy team, and I've steered into the, like, let's get a bunch of rebounds and steals and blocks and uh, have a high field goal percentage. And he, he's, he's helped with all of that. So, like, he's really interesting being a kind of weird older rookie from Ohio State coming from overseas. Uh, it's been, it's been it's been interesting. Kevin Porter Jr. showed flashes, and obviously, like you said, Christian Wood, great start. If he was healthy the whole season, then you know you might be able to see something. There was even that time when he was there post Harden trade, where they in a stretch, small sample size, probably some matchups that were advantageous, like had a pretty good defense, and so like that that was a helpful thing for me to see because those questions about Christian Wood's defense. 
Obviously, he's thin, so we'll get some of the bigger guys. But, it, of course, he's an interesting player. They got him for the next couple of years. Uh, bad contracts, though. Um, you mentioned how, you know, John Wall, Eric Gordon, like, those are probably the two that, again, are probably not on the next iteration of the good of a good Houston Rockets team and are getting paid lots of money to, well, just be on the roster until then, right? You know, John Wall's got a one plus one player option for a total of $91.5 million that will all be going his direction, right? He's going to be, he's going to be bringing that in. Eric Gordon has, well, it's three years, but the last year, 21 million is non-guaranteed. So I would assume that Tilburg is not paying that. So think two for 37 million. I think that's a reasonable contract that you could probably uh, trade away and, and, and get off of. There's going to be some team out there who could probably use someone like Eric Gordon. You know, one of these teams who's not going to be able to add someone in the free agency market, but might want to acquire via trade and who's willing to pay the luxury tax. So like you probably have that as long as he doesn't look completely washed. And then the third bad contract, which is probably the, like the worst of all of them is Tillman Fertitta being the owner. He's incredibly cheap and you've got him for as long as he wants to be the owner, which is bad news for Houston Rockets. And I'm pretty sure like the, the CEO or some higher up guy for, Houston just this week just said, I'm resigning. I'm leaving, you know, getting out. And just, I, that's tough. It's it's tough. And, I mean, you look at the money allotted going forward, $105 million, you know, next year. So they're, they're, they're you know, 93 the year after, then 32. Finally, uh, you know, three years out. And I think this is just going to be the way that Tomer Fertitta goes. He's just going to be a team that's going to constantly be Bare, just barely over, uh, you know, the salary cap, or you're going to be a room team, right? So that's just going to be the way he operates for, you know, until maybe there's a the next good team. But even with a good team, you saw he wasn't willing to pay the tax. So we'll see. It's a disappointing thing for Rockets fans who had gotten pretty accustomed to being, you know, on the cusp of greatness for quite a long time. You think back to the, you know, Steve Francis Yao Ming, Trace McGrady Yao Ming. Um, pretty seamlessly transitioning to the James Harden era. Like all those, all those teams were highly competitive while maybe never fully. Well, I mean, I'd say other than probably the Houston years, never really being a true title contender. I, I'd have to go back and look at those T-Mac teams, but I mean, I know injuries plagued those, those teams pretty, pretty thoroughly, but you know, they were always competitive. And so it'll be a transition for Houston fans. If Tillman's not willing to spend money, it's going to require hitting a great draft pick or making a really good trade. Um, looking at their picks that, you know, we have a, we did a lot of work on to, to get the list Ooh, down. Boy. They got, it's, Ooh, it's an buddy. interesting one. They got a lot going out, but they do have a lot coming in from the James Harden uh, departure. Yeah, this, this, it's an interesting um, thing. First, we should say, I'm going to talk about the draft picks going out first, just because it's easier. And because I can kind of lump these, kind of into, well, it'll, it'll just make a little bit more sense. So first off, um, there's this three-team trade that I guess we should just say, if Houston, which again, worst team in the league right now, if they end up with a top four pick, they keep it, and that they, they keep that pick, and, and that that's the way that it goes. Or if they drop out of the top five, then they're going to end up with Miami's pick this year, and their pick will go to Oklahoma City. So... It, it's tough because the, again, Chris Paul, uh, Russell Westbrook trade, the, the other picks that they've got going out, um, they got some first rounders, 2024 20, first round pick to Oklahoma City, right? 2026 first rounder going to Oklahoma City, right? 2027 second rounder going there as well. And uh, let's see, let's see. I think they have a random other second rounder or two that are that are leaving. But it's, it's, it's that Russell Westbrook, trade which again rumors of Fertitta's involvement um you know seems his fingertips are all over that so those, those are draft picks going out but they have tried to do somewhat of a reasonable job bringing things in even though we would say that they bungled the approach um going in so we already talked about that three-team trade they also uh let's see they've got a 20 
21 first round pick incoming from Portland. Top 14 protected for seven years. So if Portland makes the playoffs, we hope that they do. It just makes this whole process easier in future years. So make the playoffs Portland. Um, all right, they got a Milwaukee 2021 first round pick coming in. Weird swap stuff's happening as well, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, they get the better of next year, Brooklyn or Miami. We're going to assume that Houston, their own pick is not going to be involved in those swap rights because uh, they'll be bad still. And 2023 first round pick from Milwaukee coming back. Washington first round pick, top 14 protected. It's going to eventually decline over the years to a top eight protected pick in 2026. That becomes two seconds. That is the, I guess, price for the Russell Westbrook going out, John Wall coming in trade. And then we've got the Brooklyn picks, which, well, we've... Uh, mentioned one of those in 2022. We also got 2024 and 2026 first round picks coming back. And then swap rights. They have swap rights this year. That's not happening. They have uh, 2023, 25, and 27 swap rights. And maybe near the end, those might be helpful. But that's that's the bet. They, I think, could have had more if they had said, you know what, let's take Jared Allen or or Karis Levert instead of the Victor Oladipo nonsense, which literally netted them uh, Kelly Olynyk. It's not the worst situation as far as draft capital. Um, it's just tough knowing what you had and knowing that you could have done better in this process as well. But you forget, Richard, Victor Oladipo is an expiring contract, so you can't put a price on getting out of the contract a little earlier. Yeah, there's one other pick that's incoming that I, I should have mentioned here. Uh, it's one that we'll mention a little bit later with Detroit. There is some uh, finessing that happened with Troy Weaver, where basically until the Pistons are good again, until they are a playoff team, and maybe not even like a 7th or 8th seed, but until they get to like a... It just depends how far down the road it becomes like top 11 protected and other weirdness. So... It, Eventually, there will be a first-round pick going to Houston from Detroit. It just probably won't be for a few years. So, I, I think just the last thing to talk about is, like, depending on where this draft pick goes this year, if they were to get a top-four pick, this Houston situation can be pretty rosy all of a sudden. You know, we're talking about either Cade Cunningham or either one of the Jalens. That, that, both those sound like really good picks to be pairing with Christian Wood for a, a extended future. Um, obviously Evan Mobley, you might have to go with if you, if you're talking most talented and he's available, but I mean, I'm just, I mean, th th this could be a team that, you know, lucks in, they, they, they've, they've put themselves in place. If they get a top four pick they're they're right there in terms of being right back at it. Like having a really good young piece to implement into the system. While still probably being bad next year, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I, let me just say. Having Christian Wood, I don't think, disqualifies you from bringing in Evan Mobley. Um, you can pair those two together, and because of their uh, abilities and Evan Mobley's defensive versatility or presumed defensive versatility, like you end up being, I think, pretty okay. It's a weird kind of rebirth of the Twin Towers, uh, which I think, you know what, would be interesting. Although I, I think where, I mean... We're keeping track of uh, big boards and things of that nature again this year, and Evan Mobley is two or three, and if Houston ends up in that spot, they probably do go with one of the Jalens, or they probably do go with just, I mean, well, it doesn't disqualify them. Those are other options that are close to the level, like the top five within a tier, and I'd argue that it's probably caved in, Mobley maybe in like if they if you were to have a sub small a smaller sub tier up at the top maybe it's them but pretty close up there I think if Houston this is this is why Houston is actively tanking their worst team in the league they got a head start right now and why they should continue to do so because I mean they could still get five and that that's awful but I would be interested in a zag to everyone else's zig of going two two bigs. I mean, both Christian Wood and Mobley, I think, have enough perimeter skills that they could, you know, deal really well offensively. And then defensively, um, Christian Wood would be a little bit of a liability, but like, he's still a good athlete. And Evan Mobley has looked great 
in most of the defensive sets that I've seen him play in college. So like, while we don't have enough expertise to really comment on that, I think that'd be a nice, a little, a little zag to everyone else's zig. And not to mention the, the, um, the Houston Rockets have a history of twin towers with Ralph Sampson and, uh, Hakeem, the dream of Lajuan. So that, that, that would be kind of like a nice little history repeats itself in, uh, in theory. So I, I kind of vibe with that. Yep. So, uh, there's the good news for Houston, which which becomes ex- exceedingly bad news if they get pick number five. So um, that'll be exceedingly good news for the last thing we talk about today. But let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's to transition there to the team that had the last uh, number one overall pick um, in Anthony Edwards. Right now, they are currently 17 and 44. Also, hoping that lottery luck keeps them within... <laughs> within the top, what top uh, three? Oh man, this is this gets, gets gets exciting. So, um, all right, we should get into their core players first before we talk about lottery luck. Carl Anthony Towns, obviously, he's there. Um, D'Angelo Russell, unfortunately, uh, for some, would he's there. Uh, he, for be- for better or worse, uh, Gerson Rosas decided that well, he's part of the core. So. Uh, maybe if they get the right draft pick, then who knows if that changes. But for right now, he's part of the core. Anthony Edwards, part of the core. He drafted him first overall. He's there. Then it gets okay. Malik Beasley. You just paid him, and it would it would seem that he's part of the core. We're having a lot of core guys who are making a lot of core money, and we'll find that that will add up pretty soon. Uh, Jaden McDaniel's. We like him uh, as kind of that uh, you know four who if you, if you think about. Uh, the Minnesota as kind of working toward like a Denver Nuggets kind of comp, uh, like of like play styles with with Carlton Towns taking a little bit of like Jokic stuff, the defensive liability, but also can facilitate a little bit. And you need that kind of like defensive four, like the Paul Millsap coming over. Like there, there's like the Jaden McDaniels kind of, um, kind of what he provides, right? That weak side help, and it's nice. Leandro Bomaro, let's not forget about him. He was a first round pick this year. He's stashed. Um, he's not currently on the team, but we'll put him as part of the core going forward. So, Ethan, talk to us about this Minnesota Timberwolves team, this core. What, what do you think so far? Well, I, you know, I love Carlton Towns and what he can theoretically bring to the to a game. But I, I, I feel until this latest coaching hire with with Chris Finch. We have never seen him be as aggressive as need be. He's been the recipient of, you know, some Ricky Rubio dimes. He's been the recipient of some Jimmy Butler setups and those for the brief time he was there. But I haven't ever seen him be as aggressive uh, as he needs to be. And for the first time since Chris Finch was hired, we're seeing him isolate from the top of the key, which because of his incredible footwork, ball handling, we're seeing a lot of good looks come from that. So I'm very excited to see that continue and to see him then also branch that into um, isolating, turning it into facilitation opportunities, which I think he can improve on. Um, D'Angelo Russell, I've always thought of as a two guard and, you know, he just kind of stuck being a point guard based on, you know, maybe some clout he had coming out of the draft and then, you know, playing for the Lakers, getting to run a little bit of like, you know, showtimey stuff. Um, But he's more of a two guard. So I think, and you know we, we know Anthony Edwards is kind of a, a black hole. Luke Beasley's a black hole. We need that currently Towns facilitation. And I I just don't I look around I don't see necessarily the best surrounding town for that. I I, I like D'Lo as a shooter. But they need playmaking help, and Ricky Rubio is unfortunately not going to be that guy for them even as he uh, his career wanes. And so I. I hate to say it, but like they, they're they're going to need to strike well in the draft with someone who can make up some playmaking um, to help this core along. And obviously, Cade Cunningham would make the most most sense as he would fill a role at the three for these guys. But I I think their big reason why this team still stinks um, is they don't have anyone that can consistently create for all these the theoretically um, great scorers. So you're telling me that. When Lamella Ball was there, number one, <laughs> you tell me that they missed out. Like here, let me let me say this. Let me, let me say this. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best shooting from three big men um, that that we've had, that we've got probably ever. Um, now again, like you mentioned, leaning leaning more into 
working at the top of the key than being stuck at a corner allows for more facilitation. His facilitation, his assist numbers have increased over the years. He's now, this year, almost five assists per game. And you've seen a little bit more of that. And I like, I like, I like the idea of, again, him kind of modeling his game and kind of following after, after Nikola Jokic in, in that way. And Nikola Jokic until this year has, you know, hasn't been shooting quite as well from three, but he's, he's been otherworldly this year. But I, I look in, in at that realm and I think, okay, yes, they do need more facilitation. They can't, Ideally, you'd like to have someone who could come in, facilitate, and not be Ricky Rubio, who's not providing the spacing you need as well. You'd like to pair him with, uh, you know, the who's the Jamal Murray of you know, in, in in that pairing. And well, you'd like D'Lo to do that, but apparently he's just not good enough. No, he's not good enough. And and so it's like, well, could Anthony Edwards? Now, the beauty of this is if Anthony Edwards. It's always the if with him, and it's always the if that I have, and that's why I had him uh, a little bit lower. But, you know, you've seen the flashes this year. But if you could have the ball in Anthony Towns' hands making those decisions, if you could have the ball in the hands of a Cade Cunningham, maybe a Jalen Suggs, and have those guys, that then you do have Anthony Edwards as more of a finisher. I think that that fits his role a bit better. He can, he can operate bench units more, and I think that fits his type of game. And so... If you're the Timberwolves, man, you're hoping you get a top two pick. Um, top three, if it's the right, you know, if, if Evan Mobley goes two or something like that, and you can get one of Cunningham or Jalen Suggs, because like that seems like it fits the best for what this team uh, needs and wants going forward. Uh, you know, now, maybe it's a, I don't know. I mean, maybe they think to themselves, well, we really, really don't have a four. Maybe we try to put Kaminga in that type of thing. I, I don't know. Uh, we're getting a little bit into draft talk here, but, uh, I, if it's not top three, we, we, we should get to outgoing picks, right? If, if it's not top three, then they don't keep it. So, and then, and then it's unprotected 2022 first. If you're the front office, you know, you're probably not making it that long. You're probably not picking like it's, you need to be able to do something uh, this year, you need the lottery luck. So, the 2021 first round pick, top three protected, you gotta hold on to that. So that's why we're tanking as much as possible. Uh, they also have a few seconds going out: 2021, 2024, 2026, and incoming. They got 2022, uh, better of Denver or Philly. So, that's kind of the situation. But they've got so much money, Ethan, wrapped up next year: 141 million dollars, and. I only see, you, you, you wrote this down, and there's been a little bit of discussion. We had pre-pod of D'Angelo Russell, $61 million over two years. That's the only bad contract you've got written down. And I'm, as I sit here looking at this, and I think to myself, man, $141 million tied up next year. 107 the year after that, so that you're not a cap space team. Not until 2023-24 that you're at $77 million, not enough for even, a, like barely enough for a max contract. And by that time, you, you probably don't even have that available. So... I mean, can the can D'Angelo Russell really be the only bad contract on this roster? Well, it's tough because it's it's a com it's a combination of things. It's when you're paying two guards, which I'm classifying D'Angelo Russell as a two guard, as that's what I think he should play, even though I know he nominally is the point guard. When you have let's see, it's a fifty-five million dollars tied up in guys who technically are all two guards, and I know that's a little bit of a archaic way to look at these players as only one position, but frankly, that is, they're all their best positions is that they're kind of like kind of sibs defensively only good at shooting or only good at driving. Like none of these guys are a complete package and that fits the, the mold of what two guards have been for the existence of the NBA. To make no mention of uh, Jarrett Culver or Josh Kogi, who, who are first round picks for them previous years in that. So it's like, and, and those guys are, are, I guess, a little bit more fungible because they're not good at offense at all. So I was kind of sliding them as a threes as like, you know, the Bruce Bowen attempted types, um, which they're not that to say the least. But that's kind of what their their objectives are is to be defensive stalwarts, which fits more of a traditional three when we're talking about going to the archaic branding of positions. But 
your your point is taken, Richard, that there's a lot of guys out here who are in the 6'4 to 6'6 range who aren't giving you what you want from them at all. And that's a problem when we're trying to build out an entire team. Because while 6'6 is a, a nice height, it, it doesn't guard everything. And it doesn't. And when none of them can facilitate, like I don't think it's hard to say that. Other than Ricky Rubio, Carlton Towns is their best facilitator. And he's he's growing in that role. He's not there yet. And like you said, D'Angelo Russell the obvious candidate for bad contract, but then it's like, okay, well, Malik Beasley's making about $15 million over the next three years, right? Anthony Edwards being the number one pick, making um, uh, about $10 million a year for the next uh, three years. So it's like um, Juan Hernan Gomez, you know, seven, Jarrett Culver, about six. And so it's like we've – all of those, like, contracts are just beginning to add up and add up and add up, and then – You've got the potential for, well, if you do land a top pick, well, that's another person making Anthony Edwards money. So it's that that's how that's how we get to where we get to. And yeah, you're Carl Anthony Towns making, you know, in $30 million. That's fine, you know, but it's the other bits that leave you with that inflexibility. And and I, I think we can tip Malik Beasley towards the bad contracts because he also got that deal. And it kind of was a weird situation with him getting it after all the um, domestic violence things come out. And you wonder like how much that was like a wink, wink deal from beforehand that then if you don't, if you kind of renege on that deal, they can kind of point out that you were tampering and figuring out the deal beforehand. Like there's kind of a tough situation there. And you're wondering how many other people in the league would have given him that contract, given the situation that played in itself off the feet, off the court. So, you know, we talk about it, like it, it makes sense, like for his skill set being paid like that. But does the league see it that way? Where if the, you know, let's say best case scenario, the, the wolves get Kate Cunningham this in this draft. And they're like, well, Anthony Edwards, we need we need to find him, you know, the minutes he deserves. Let's send Malik Beasley out. Or is Anthony Edwards the piece that you send out? It seems like a really tough spot to be in if you're Gerson Rosas and you got to figure out who's going to surround, you know, what I would say definitely is the best two players on the roster in Cade Cunningham and Carl Anthony Towns, in theory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Malik Beasley, um, yeah, th- there had to have been, like, something beforehand because there was, that contract was not coming from anybody. I mean, you just look at the cap space teams That's... and – Especially after the situation. Yes, like it wasn't happening. I don't even, you might have to remind me, but I don't think, I mean, they traded for him and they gave up uh, an asset to get him. So like there is that like, uh, you know, idea, hey, we we want you for like, we traded to get Hamadou Diallo and uh, for the the Pistons. Like we, I think we intend to sign him going forward. And so it's that type of thing. But after, after that, after the allegations, there's not a, not a team that was going to offer that. Now, maybe with a little bit more time, it's just the way that the NBA operates as a business. You, you're you trading him over Anthony Edwards. Just like I, people know, people on this podcast know how I feel about Anthony Edwards and how I don't think he should have been picked first overall, how I, I see his role as more of a uh, prolific bench scorer. Uh, which, if they got, Jay, uh, you know, Kate Cunningham or Jalen Suggs and, and you have a facilitation of Carl Anthony Towns, then maybe he can morph into uh, a little bit more of that. And I like that. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see going forward um, with with this Minnesota Timberwolves team. Man, two teams that really, really need that uh, lottery luck in Houston and Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Now to a team that you are very familiar with, Richard. Oh, yeah. Um uh, we we've talked about this team somewhat recently. Like we 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 did talk about the Pistons Portland game, and so we, we did have a little bit of you know that that discussion. Pistons currently are eighteen and forty three, right? Uh, core players: Jeremy Grant. Their four picks from this year: Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, Saban Lee. I'm putting them in here just because uh, I I know Troy Weaver really likes him. Sees the athletic part, major of it. We liked him, uh, and I think we view him long term as either our backup point guard or, at the very least, our third string guy. But like he's he's going to be in there, I think, until you know. We'll see what happens with the draft again. If we get a primary ball handler, then maybe that speaks a little bit, you know, less for him. But he's part of it for now. Hamadou Diallo, we traded for him. He's a Troy Weaver guy. Troy Weaver coming from Oklahoma City, probably had a hand in drafting him. 
Um, and then we traded Svi and a second to get him. I anticipate the Pistons will sign him for a deal close to 9 or $10 million for the next three years or so. Um, based off of the reporting from Pistons beat writers, James Edwards III for the Athletic, uh, basically has been suggesting as such. Um, so those are the core players. And obviously Jeremy Grant being the oldest one of the bunch, you know, 27, this is age 27 season. He'll be uh, 29 when his last year. He's got two more years after this, but he wanted to be here. This was his choice, and uh, everyone else is on a rookie deal and young. So, I mean, I, th this, they, they put a lot of, of stock into uh, these three rookies, um, particularly the first round rookies, and, you know, this this is what it is now uh first of all any comments you have for pistons core players go ahead what i what i really like about two of them specifically jeremy grant and sadiq bay is their positional versatility of threes or fours because offensively they can do both like one of them can like either of them can be a pretty good screener um with pick and pop or pick and roll potential especially if isaiah stewart as the center can kind of hide in corners every once in a while above the break as well for as a pick and pop guy. But you, you love the Sadiq Bay and, and Jeremy Grant both kind of have hair trigger three point attempts. Like they can get them up pretty quick. They can get them up uh, professionally and have, are shooting good percentages. Also both of them um, through Grant and development and Sadiq Bay from some of his college days have a pretty decent, like if they, if they get a little out ahead of their skis, they can throw throw the defender on their hip and do some back-to-the-basket uh, facilitation stuff. Um, I don't like Sadiq scoring from there all that much because um, his shot, his fade, it's, it's just too low for like a fadeaway to really work. But they both can like you know not be turnover-prone if they get caught in bad places because of that uh, back-to-the-basket, you know, I'd say facilitation offense more so than anything else. And then Killian Hayes, you know, like I think we've just seen – it's a lot of the same stuff we said at pre-draft. Um, his left hand is brilliant. His left hand is very good. Um, his dependency on that left hand is his limitation thus far, and we will see if that um, allows itself – if he's allowed to grow out of that. Um, you know, the Pistons obviously will be looking at getting a pretty good draft pick this year. A lot of guys could either, you know, help him by being more, you know, like guys are – catch and shoot and or catch and drive kind of guys and then obviously there's one guy who would push him a little bit off ball because he is going to be the uh the best option i think two guys might push him off ball so like here's a little bit that's been interesting with with what Dwayne casey's been saying in, in interviews like and with with some of the tinkering that has been happening in the lineups uh toward the end i think primarily to prepare for a draft pick the the guy who fits the best alongside of the Pistons players is Jalen Green. As far as the, this is not going to push any current Detroit Piston out of their role. He just, he would come in and play the two and be kind of a scoring off ball guy. Jalen Green would be, would be the fit for that. But guess what? Uh, no one on the Pistons should preclude you from drafting the best available player. So Cade Cunningham, you draft him. And then the question is, well, what happens with Killian Hayes? They've been playing Killian as the point guard, but they've also been playing him into uh, to multi-guard lineups. Corey Joseph's been out there. They had him with DeLon Wright earlier on at the beginning of the year. They've been uh, throwing him out there with, you know, uh, well, Frank Jackson, but Frank Jackson's kind of been, the, been a two-guard in uh, in, when it's come to that. But they've been playing him with, like, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. and other point guards so that we can see some Killian off-ball. And Pistons fans don't like it because Killian's good in pick and roll, right? Good with the ball in his hands. And he's, at the moment, not as good with being off ball. And so it's like, you want him to succeed, so you want to see more of him and what he's good at. But if, I'm sorry, K. Cunningham comes, if Jalen Suggs comes, you're going to have some times where Killian's off the ball. And so, or or where Killian has to be the guy running that bench unit. So, like, th that's, that's kind of the issue if you drop those guys now. The Isaiah Stewart discussion. They've played Isaiah Stewart at the four a few times, which is a little bit dichotomous to the things that he's like, oh, guess what? He's a good rebounder. But if you have him playing the four, he's got to be in more pick and pop situations. He's hit a couple threes, but if he's an offensive rebounding menace, then is that really where you want him? Um, and maybe if you got someone like Evan Mobley who can space the floor a little bit, you know, maybe that's okay, but is that really where you want him? So 
I I look at this and I think to myself, guess what? If you get Evan Mobley, it's okay that Isaiah Stewart is the backup five. That's fine. If you get Cade Cunningham, it's okay that you got to push uh, Killian Hayes off ball and hope they. Guess what? Guess what? If he can't shoot very well at all, then like if Killian Hayes can't get his off ball shot up, he's probably going to be a backup, uh, probably a good backup. But that's okay. Same thing if you get Jalen Suggs. Um, again, Jalen Green, the most natural fit. Kaminga, you've got to if you just want a bunch of everyone threes and fours and switchability and all that stuff. Then okay. But like, there's. There's that situation. Now, if you get to six, I mean, you don't want to get to six for any one of these teams. You don't want to be that, t- you don't, you don't want that to happen. Um, uh, unless, unless you're picking sixth, uh, cause you're OKC because Houston dropped down to that far. Like you don't want to be picking sixth here, um, in this draft. And so we're not going to, we're not going to put that bad juju on this Pistons team, but th- those, those are the things to think about. Oh, oh, Davion Mitchell. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not the one that I've been waiting for. I like, I like Davion Mitchell, but there's, <sighs> so there will be talk later <laughs> about all that stuff. Of course, um, of course. Uh, okay. Um, all right, Pistons, bad contracts. So we should mention Blake Griffin. Um, he's owed $29.7 million next year. As part of the buyout, we were able to get a little bit off of you know off of that, and uh, be, because of that, we've got ninety five million dollars uh, in uh, approximated space. Sorry, ninety five million dollars allotted next year, so we kind of can be a cap room team, or if we want to, uh, we can we can operate either way. Um, we'll probably operate, I think, as an over the cap team once we get Diallo and a couple other guys. Frank Jackson probably sign him. He's been good this year. Um, but then once he's off the books, we've got $57 million allowed, 28. So like it's looking real nice for the Pistons. And, uh, in that regard, so 2022, 23, 23, 24, that's when the Pistons will probably look to turn it around, uh, depending on how draft picks go the next couple of years. Okay. Uh, incoming, we've got a bunch of second round picks. We've got three second round picks this year. No idea what we're going to do with them. But, uh, you know, mine is, we, we don't have, we got Dennis Smith Jr. coming off the books when Ellington going to be gone. Uh, so, you know, we can move off of Seku if we want. That's the one person who you didn't, you didn't hear in the core players, Seku. He could be moved. Just want to say that. You can move Magruder, Josh Jackson, all those guys could be moved if you need to. So if you, if you want to, you can trap people with those spots. You don't have to. Um, we've also got uh, the less favorable of Cleveland and Golden State in 2023. Thanks, Andre Drummond. And then thank you, DeLon Wright, for giving us the Sacramento uh, Kings 2024 second-round pick. Okay. Outgoing, that weird Houston first-rounder. It's gone. Bye-bye. And then basically all of our second-rounders, we we, uh, we still have our 2027 second-rounder, but uh, that was the cost of sending Luke Kennard to uh, part of sending Luke Kennard, but part of getting Sadiq Bay. So uh, we stand that move. Thanks, Troy Weaver. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, we've talked about the Pistons as much as I think we need to. We'll talk more about them as the draft uh, comes up, obviously. Um, so there's that. The Orlando Magic, 18 and 42. It, it, I mean, this is the seasons, if we include like, the Jonathan I from the Jonathan Isaac injury till now basically gone about as poorly for them players wise, but it I think gave them a good all right, we gotta reset. Right? Right now. All those little things were the kindling for what is now the the fire sale of the Orlando Magic, where they got rid of Aaron Gordon, they got rid of um Vucevic, and you know, I think for pretty good deals. I mean, obviously would like to get more for Aaron Gordon based on like what he theoretically can be, but he's always been that theory. So what are you going to do? I got to say with Chicago, uh, kind of floundering, uh, post post trade deadline. Yeah. Like right now. Ooh, boy. They got like Chicago's eighth overall pick scheduled to go to the Orlando magic, man, that would be, that'd be tough for Chicago. We'll, we'll talk about them. Uh, in, in a future state of the franchise, but two future first-round picks. I think that they did, yeah, they would like to get more, but I think, you know what? 
overall they did okay and you know if if, if they can hold on to this chicago one this year Man, that would be a good way to reset if they can do that, hold on to their own, maybe have some lottery luck themselves, bump up. There's no one on their roster right now that precludes them from anything or anybody. Well, s- sneaky bit about keeping like the Chicago this year is that could get you to a really si- interesting situation with the 2023 uh, Chicago pick to where it's also top four protected and it's, it continues on. I didn't list all the things. But if Zach Levine were to choose to not resign with Chicago, they might be a very bad team for the a long time, and that could they might that might end up allowing them to keep that 2023 pick and force the protections on it. But it could do a, be a nice little it could be a funny little chain reaction to if the Chicago missed the playoffs this year in disappointing fashion. Grand Zach Levine got COVID, and that's why he's been out for the last little bit, so that doesn't help. But they were floundering before that. Um, there could be an interesting chain reaction of how this all goes that could really swap the fortunes of uh, two franchises. I would say perhaps, but at the, additionally, they've got a lot of cap space the summer before that 2023 draft. So, like, it, at the very, like, they could decide to say, we're not going to get, like, we, emphatically, we are not giving them a good pick so they can try and then maybe it's a bottom of the lottery pick or, the you know, bull, maybe they'll the just bulls say, have been well, so good. The bulls have been being so good about not, not giving, not getting good picks. Huh? Is, who knows? I mean, they'll probably be one of Yeah. Who, who knows? We'll, we'll anyways. Uh, so yeah, th- things could get interesting for this team, but again, no one at the top, like they got Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, both coming off of injury, Chuma Okiki coming off of, injury this year playing reasonably well for what we would have expected um and started his contract um this year his rookie contract so they got him for a year longer than everyone else from that draft um Cole Anthony got him this year RJ Hampton this year as well and obviously Wendell Carter so like you've got pieces who you know Jonathan Isaac, right? You got him a, 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 your your theoretical future four, Chumo Kiki, maybe a three, right? RJ Hampton, future two, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, future ones, Wendell Carter, future like so you've got guys who can fill spots, but doesn't preclude you from anybody. Not one soul. So uh they're tanking. They they know that. I mean, Steve uh, Clifford uh, got COVID, and so he did have some of his I think he was vaccinated. Or partially vaccinated, um, and and so that's that's tough on him. Hopefully he'll he'll be okay. But the so the, they're probably tanking. The good news they don't have any bad contracts. Um, not really. You, I mean, you could look at their at their squad, and I mean, if you want to say Terrence Ross for a couple of years, like, but that's such an easy contract to trade. I think um, it, it, there's really nothing bad here, right? I mean, no, like, there's, there's nothing bad. Like, Terrence Ross is the worst thing, and he's very movable. Like, I look at him, like, you know, Evan Fournier just got moved. Now, I'd look at, I would look at Terrence Ross as similar to that, even, just a little bit more of an offense only and no facilitation. There's going to be some team that needs a gunner. You know, like, I think about the Washington Wizards. They're going to be a team that's going to be like, you know what, we need a, a guy to get us to the to the 10 seed again next year to, to prolong the inevitable of the Wizards not doing anything good. And Terrence Ross is going to be on his way. Do you view Otto Porter as just do – you, do you think that he'll – that there's any inkling that he might stick around after this year or do you think he's just out the door? I think if they offer him the most money, he'll stay. Because I look at him as a guy who right now is is probably not like there's probably not a lot of teams that can really afford him at the money he's gonna want. Um, and so if the Orlando kind of knocks his knocks his shoes off with a deal, I think he takes it. But I definitely don't think I don't think there's anyone who's just like dying for Otto Porter who's had a lot of injury problems and coming off his max extension from the Wizards um, has not lived up to that deal. I think it's gonna be harder for him to get a big deal. He, he, I would wouldn't be surprised if he takes a prove it deal, you know, in like the the mid mid level exception type of thing for a really good team. I was gonna say, or the Jabari Parker special, where maybe it's a lot of money from from like maybe for a year, like you know, in the realm or probably probably twenty million. Like if you do like a twenty million dollars with a team option 
for something like the year after in case things go well, but it's like, hey, it's short enough. If I do play well enough, I get back in the market while I'm in my 20s still. So maybe it's something like that, but I, I didn't know. We didn't mention him. He's he's there, injured, and all, all, all that. So He just had a tough go of it. He had a tough start to his career and then had a really good third and fourth year and got paid and then got hurt all the time. He just had a tough tough go of it, honestly. Glad he got paid. Um, all right, money allotted, uh, $106 million next year. Then it gets pretty nice for them, $60 million, $56 million. Uh, next couple of years after that. So uh, we've talked about their Chicago first round picks coming in. They also got uh, Indy 2022 second. Oh yeah. That Denver 25 first round pick uh, top five protected through 2027. And then I uh, think some second from either Boston or Memphis, whichever is worse. And then a Boston from 27 for the 48. So they have nothing going out. They are again, have set themselves up. I would say pretty nicely for the rebuild. T- toughest thing with this team is we got guys like Marco Fultz. Um, interesting career path he's been on. And like, he could be a guy who's one of those bad contracts that we don't currently have listed. If health problems uh, continue to show up for him, Jonathan Isaac is in a similar boat. Although with his, his frame, I would, I would trust that it won't be as critical. I don't think it will be as bad. I just like his size. And I believe his shooting ability will come around, that it will, he will not be a bad contract. But yeah, like we mentioned earlier, that none of these guys on their roster keep them from taking anyone in the draft. They should take, be taking best available, whatever the scouting department says is the best available. I'll be interested to see if they do get a top five pick, which is you know kind of the cutoff for this draft. I'll be interested to see who who they take, especially if they know it's beyond fifth, if it's four or higher, because I don't see anything, you know, that is, you know, fundamentally buildable right now. And I want, I wonder, is there anything that is a bad fit in theory that just continues the hodgepodge mess that uh, Orlando has been? Cause you know, we, we didn't mention him either. Mo Bamba is, is coming off the books pretty soon. He's been a, abject failure at the a former sixth overall pick i'm just I, i'm hoping i guess it's just my thing is i hope whoever ends up in orlando does mesh in with these players really effectively and can get off to a good start to their career because orlando has kind of been a sad state of affairs for quite a long time at this point anything else with orlando before we go to our last team in okc no that was pretty meandering we need to get moving. okay okay oklahoma city the the tanking team from the beginning. If you, if you said who who's tanking, you know Eastern Conference, Detroit, Western Conference, Oklahoma City. Like those are the teams, and they're twenty and forty. Core players SGA. Um, they've got him on ice. Uh, Lou Dort, who's been in and out of the lineup of late. I know because I've been trying to get him on a fantasy team, and then when he, when he's good, then he doesn't play, and then it's, it's frustrating. Poku, who has been just a bunch of limbs and craziness on the court whenever he's been playing and it's been fun and interesting and, and scary and uh all of that uh Theo Maladon who has uh had some you know nice moments this this season as you you look at him as maybe like we said you know, pre-prime you know, it can be your solid backup and we're going to OKC you know you, they they had like those multi-guard lineups and so you have some ideas for what what that could look like down the road Moses Brown been real interesting. Had had some uh, uh, G League shine uh, early early on when they had the G League bubble, and then since coming in, he's had some some ridiculous games and uh, ended up getting the uh, basically just uh, Sam Presti special with some bunch of non guaranteed yeah the Ludor the, the non guaranteed years and team options and uh, all that for you know you 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 get some couple couple millions at the beginning and so that's nice but. Team contract, team control, all the way down, and we'll throw in Darius Baisley. Although it should be mentioned, with literally any of these guys, like while we have said core, the only I would lit, I would probably only classify two or three of these guys as actual core guys, like SGA, Lou Dort, and Poku. Those are the only ones who I, and Poku I think is again they just said, hey, who knows? This guy's weird, and it might be fun, and it might be... Like, who knows what he'll become? But, like, everyone else... Like, we've got 34 draft picks 
over the next seven years. 17 of them are first round picks. And so the other 17 second round picks. So, so like with, with all of those picks uh, coming their way, I, I, you can't feel too comfortable um, that you'll still be on this team unless you're probably SGA or Lou Dort. I mean, those guys you saw playing playoff roles, you know, SGA has been great. Lou Dort, you saw him on James Harden in the playoffs, and he's had stretches like those guys, you know what they look on, on like on a playoff team. Everyone else, who knows? And even if some of these guys perform well, they could be part of a package deal that includes some of those picks going out. Like I think about Tail Maldon. He's shown some really hot spots here this season. And it might be enough that some teams like, you know what, we don't really have a point guard. We could, we might like him. Um, and he, we might like him as a building piece. And Sam Press is like, well, I kind of like, uh, you know, theoretically Bradley Beal. I'm just saying names, you know. We like this guy as a building piece for with Shea. You know, we'll give you an, an extra pick and you can have Teo and we'll be on our way with a superstar pairing. There's a lot of possibilities for all these guys. And I think we mentioned it in the Pistons part. If Hamadou Diallo was still on this team, we probably would have mentioned him as a core piece because he's a guy who's shown some flashes there. Like all these guys are going to have to earn their minutes and they're going to have to earn their contracts as all these picks start rolling in. It's going to be an absolute chaotic situation for any guy who's, you know, a little bit pinched on the pinched on the pine as it were. Um, Wondering if they're going to get their chance to shine. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, the only so bad contracts. Uh, Al Horford's the only one, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know if we can say anything's a bad contract when even if it required four first round picks to offload them, guess what? OKC still, OKC still has more picks than anybody, so it 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 doesn't matter. Uh, I. The question that I have about this team, all right, so they also have a bunch of cap space, $62 million allotted next year, 55 the year after that, 20 the year after that. So, like, they can absorb anything in the cap space. But it makes me wonder, okay, when is this team going to push not even all their chips in? Because you can't, I don't think you could even make a trade that could push all of those in. Like, I don't even know what that looks like. But, uh, like... When are they going to push their chips in? You said, you mentioned a Bradley Beal's name. I know we're just throwing names out, but okay, let's say it was Bradley Beal. Okay, if you're doing that, then that is a like a a one year we're pushing chip, chips in for Bradley Beal. Now, if you're Washington, you're asking for SGA, but they're saying no. Like your OKC saying no, but guess what? If you look out there for anything else, I'm, are, are you not saying? Like this offseason, if they if they come and say to you, hey, uh, Houston's fell to five, um, you know, ours is at uh, four, we'll give you four, five, and, you know, a couple of future Lakers or whatever first-round picks for Bradley Beal. Guess what? There's not a team out there that is going to be able to offer you better than that, right? I mean, I, 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 guess, I guess they could, I mean, does a Michael Porter Jr. package um, beat that or I, I would say no because if I'm doing that, I'm rebuilding and I gotta pay Michael Porter Jr. much sooner actual money versus I can have two two of the top five picks in you know I, I'm just throwing you know those spots out but like they have the opportunity to offer whatever the question is when because you can't roster 17 first round picks on your squad you can't Sam Presti so at some point you gotta push it in Danny Ainge. Like, let's look at Danny Ainge as the cautionary tale. You got Carson Edwards there taking up a roster spot, right? You had to cut bait with Daniel Tice because you had roster spot issues, you know, you, you in luxury tax issues, and you're not having these first-round picks come off the books soon enough that you begin to have to attach more assets to them, which they have if they need to, but, like, I just wonder when they're going to push all in. And, and uh it's going to be interesting to me if they end up with, again, like we said, like five and, and three. And let's say that the Pistons have the first round pick. Does OKC say, hey, five and three for Cade? Or does it require more? How much? Like, what? I'm just curious as to when they're going to push their ships in if this offseason is going to be one of those times. Yeah, and I, I think the, the trade you just mentioned, like tr 
Like, I think they should just start doing that with every draft. If, the, if as long as they're picking the lottery, like they should just like they should be identifying talent. And it, like this one, you know, we obviously know we we have a very strong feeling about Cade. Um, if they had the ability to, to move up, even if they don't have the number one pick to get Cade, I think they should be willing to part with some assets to do that. And who knows what's going to be two years from now? But that they should be always, in my opinion, looking to consolidate a few picks in order to move up to get the guy you want don't hope he falls get the guy you want and make sure you're bringing in talent that you have very much you know done your research on and that you feel astounding about versus theoretically two shots in the dark if you're a little bit out of your tier you know i i think that's the the move is to casually do that if you do have concerns about trading in a bunch of picks for a guy that might not want to stay in okc yeah yes it's it, it, it's an interesting discussion, and and I, I just wonder, um, like wonder if I was if I was a Pistons, like that, that discussion, like, what would I say? I got the opportunity at Cade, or I got Suggs and Kaminga. I think personally, I I I haven't watched enough of Kaminga to give you a real opinion, um, and I love I love Jalen Suggs. We we know that, but even like right now. When you're telling me I have all these other first round picks still coming, I'm I'm thinking the best 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 available. That's where I'm looking, and I know that that might, that could theoretically be short sighted, but I, I that's how I feel right now. Is like I don't. I mean, it's hard it's hard to you know put a thing on this right because this is putting incredible expectations. But don't give me um don't give me. The theoretical, like I'm giving a bad example with the good one. Don't give me Darko and Dwayne Wade when I could have LeBron James. <laughs> it, it, you, you could get lucky and it's Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade or it's Carmelo and Dwayne Wade, but don't give me that chance to mess up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's. But then it's like the ah oh, well, you know. I, I I'm just part of me is I mean if I'm OKC yes I'm I'm trying to get like I'm trying to get the best the best player out of this, but I'm like someone like Detroit or from a team like, uh, you know, I don't know. But there's no other team that has 17 first round picks. No, no, no. But like if I'm just wondering, like if I, if I end up with the first round, if for the first overall pick and OKC really wants Cade, like what, what am I, what, what, how much am I able to bleed them for? How much? I would think you, you could get those picks and you can get yourself like the role players, like a Lou Dort. How many? How many picks can I get? I think you can get the two that are in the lottery this year, right? If they're both like the, the at top least. five variety. At least. You get both at of least. those. And I think then you're getting like two of like whether well, the, the Lakers picks or the like, you know, of the lesser desirable variety, but still first round picks. I think you could get four total. Okay. Okay. Like could could I could I get the like the best version of the you know Anthony Davis trade return for Cade for for Cade Cunningham like like could could I get the you know can I get that level of return just for lottery luck and I, I think that you probably could if OKC really wants him and you know maybe they'll play chicken and just say you know what top five here get these guys they're probably gonna they're gonna look good we're gonna get much a bunch of time and and we can trade them later for chet holmgren or i don't know yeah so good. There, there's plenty of guys right um there, it's an infinite well of players coming to the nba we we know that it's I've, i really think it depends on team right because if i'm the if you're the rockets i think the rockets would would be happy to take on those picks happy to take two players over Cade. if you're the wolves and you can get Cade and it's a perfect, it's, it's in my opinion, a perfect fit. I, I would not, I, I don't think you could give me enough. Go ahead. You look like you have an idea. If it's Houston though, then you got the, you got to consider that the cost of two first round picks in the lottery are a lot of money more, probably more so than Cade would be. So I, there's a little bit of that. You gotta, you, you gotta do. I just had to have throw one more, one more uh, arrow at, I got you. So. Well, is that is that your is that our exit point now? Because we got it's the one more, one more well, shot. What, what, one our, more our shot. Is empty? One more shot. Yeah. You know what? You know, Tillman probably just trades down one for one. 